Welcome to Spotlight, a PEI Group podcast that delves into the very latest in private markets investing. I'm Adam Lay, Senior Editor in London, and today we're bringing you the first instalment in a five-part mini-series on private markets and the end of cheap money. I'm standing outside the Bank of England in the city of London. It's almost 11am on a Wednesday, and as you may be able to hear, it's a pretty bustling place. There are red London buses going around, people rushing to get to meetings, tourists, and there is a pretty big queue lining up to get inside the Bank of England as well. It's also here that at least eight decisions have been made over the past year to raise the official bank rate the UK government's key interest rate for enacting monetary policy. Central banks around the world, including the Federal Reserve in the US, have been raising interest rates this year in an effort to combat inflation, making borrowing more expensive for everyone. That includes private equity firms, which for years have enjoyed historically low borrowing costs to finance leveraged buyouts, or LBOs. We've spent the last few months speaking to dozens of private equity industry participants around the world to get their take on how the end of cheap money is affecting their businesses, and crucially, not just for their firms, but for their limited partners and for private equity fund returns. In the episodes to come, we'll speak to LPs about the changes to their portfolio allocations. We'll ask whether the L in LBO becoming more expensive means private credit becomes a more attractive asset class to investors. We'll look at how private markets professionals in different parts of the world are navigating this new environment. And we'll find out some of the key indicators that industry professionals keep an eye on to help see around corners and get a grip on the investment environment in these uncertain times. In today's episode, we look at how higher interest rates are playing out in private equity transactions and why certain areas of M&A, in particular deals in the mid-market, may be facing outcomes different than you might expect. Mary Kathleen Flynn, Editor-in-Chief of PEI Group Title PE Hub, has spoken to dozens of private equity partners, investment bankers and lenders for their thoughts on the topic over the last few months. Here's what she found out. For the last several months, private equity dealmakers have been experiencing a significant slowdown in activity, and interest rates are certainly playing a role in that. But it's important to keep in mind that the slowdown in 2022 feels especially dramatic because it comes after a blockbuster year in 2021. Norm Alpert, who is the founding partner of Vestor Capital Partners, explains. There's no doubt that 2021 was probably as peak and frothy an environment as you could ever envision. Uh, if you just take a little bit of a history tour, you know, for 12 years, the marketplace went through steadily either decreasing or low rates. And anytime there was any sort of dislocation or concern, or perhaps a small increase in rates and valuations adjusted for a period of time, they immediately snapped right back because central banks never turned off the spigot. And there were presumably political pressures as well along the way to keep rates low. And since there was no inflation or other reason to try to avoid the typical need to move rates up, They didn't. So we've been through an incredibly, honestly, in my view, unprecedented period of predictability and low rates and no inflation. And there seems to be endless capacity or the ability to disrupt industries and keep pricing down and no pricing power. 
that everyone assumed everything was going to be like that forever. And of course, you know, so much of the investment business is around psychology. And I think the psychology of being, you know, this time it's, you know, just going to keep going. It's great. It feeds on itself to some degree and got us into this position of particularly in the second half of 2021, you know, valuations and the types of investments people were willing to make became just increasingly astronomically valued to some degree. But I think it's inarguable that 2021 set records pretty much in any respect and every respect for the industry. Number of deals, value of deals, valuations, the amount of debt, you know, the amount of funds raised, the amount of exits that happened. I mean, it was a wonderful year for everybody until it ended. With the post-lockdown party over, how are buyers and sellers arriving at valuations? Greg Bellinfanti, Senior Managing Director of One Equity Partners, says there are two answers to that question. One, as we look at the comparables, as we're looking at any assets, one of the things we look at is the comparables and where the public market comps are. And clearly, you've seen that the market overall is down something like 20%. And depending on the sector you're looking at, you know, public company stocks can be down as much as 30 and 40%. So the public company multiples are off. And I think that's leading buyers to, to reassess their view of the multiples that they're willing to pay for assets. That's one. I think when you talk about multiples, you also have to talk about leverage multiples. And the leverage multiples are also coming down. So where banks were willing to lend six times debt to EBITDA, that number may have retreated down to five and a half or five and a quarter. And that also impacts valuation. All that I think is leading to a a real disconnect between sellers and buyers in terms of how they're thinking about purchase price where sellers are, I think, still thinking about the reality from maybe six months ago. And buyers, I think, expectations around ability to pay have reset to where the world is today. I think that's one of the reasons that you're seeing less deal value and less deal volume today than you were six months to a year ago. Mark Leader, the co-founder and co-CEO of Sun Capital Partners, agrees. The deal environment has gotten much slower than it was the last several years other than the COVID quarter, but that's more because there's a mismatch between valuations sellers want to get because they look at values they could have gotten up until six months ago and what buyers are willing to pay based on some macroeconomic headwinds. Interest rates are one of them, but there are other things like, you know, the potential recession, which we may or may not already be in. Uh, inflation, continued COVID shutdowns in China and the impact that it has on supply chain, labor shortages. There's a long list of macro headwinds that are impacting the private equity industry, with interest rates being one of them. One area where higher interest rates are playing a significant role is in loans for PE-backed deals. Leader explains what happens when debt becomes harder to get and more expensive. When lenders look at providing credit for a buyout or you know, just for a corporate borrower, they look at three things. They look at EBITDA to interest coverage. They look at debt to EBITDA, and they look at debt as a percentage of the purchase price if it's a new deal or of, of if it's an established company, what they view the total value of the business is. So loan to value. Interest rates have been so low for so long, no one even looks at EBITDA to interest coverage. Even though interest rates have gone up quite a bit, they're still fairly low by historical standards. So 
EBITDA and interest coverage ratios still are not really affecting leverage. What's affecting leverage is in the past, a year ago, a lender might have said, I'll lever this company at seven times EBITDA. Well, now they're at five and a half or six. Just they're more nervous about the environment and about future results. They're still asking for about the same leverage as a percentage of the total purchase price, or in other words, the minimum equity investment. But what's really affecting the debt financing market and the LBO industry is lender nervousness and their unwillingness to provide the same debt to EBITDA leverage that they would have provided six months ago and for the you know eight years before that. Ignacio Gianti, CEO of Corsair Capital, says the most obvious immediate impact of rising rates has been on the availability of leveraged loans and credit in general for sponsor-backed transactions. There is no doubt that over the past several quarters, we have seen a steady deterioration in the amount of available leverage, in the pricing of leverage, and frankly, in investor and lender psychology. And so that has contributed to a slowing pace of deal activity within private equity. And he's not optimistic the situation will improve anytime soon. It's definitely going to get worse, if only because we are likely to be in the early stage of a more traditional business cycle with the resulting impact on companies and their ability to service debt and payback principal. With a slowdown in deal activity, there'll be fewer exits, fewer liquidity events that result in debt paydowns. And so there will be, I expect, a bit of a cycle, which is initially negative on both the pace of deal activity, availability of credit, and the quality of credit that's already on the balance sheets or on the books of investors and lenders. So what sorts of deals does he think can get done in this type of environment? Well, that feels a little bit like back to the future. Investment transactions or deals that involve companies that are generating good cash flow have a prospect of riding out a slower economy, if not an outright recession, with a minimal amount of disruption to their cash flows, if not a slowdown, obviously, in growth. Those types of businesses will prove more resilient through the course of a downturn and more financeable. But I think a critical aspect of deals getting done, even for businesses that are strong cash generators, will be investor psychology around the debt markets and the broader global economy, not just the domestic economy of the US or the domestic economy of countries in Europe or elsewhere in the world. So that investor psychology will need to shift quite meaningfully from where it is headed today. In addition to, I think, the fact that the market needs to start clearing, if you will, seller and buyer valuation gaps. And until some of these things start to happen, it will certainly likely get worse before it gets better. To get a take on today's deal-making conditions from the lender's perspective, I asked Millwood Hobbs Jr., Managing Director and Head of North American Sourcing and Origination at Oaktree, if it's become harder for private equity firms to get loans for their deals. I would say yes. And I'd say the reason it's harder is one, banks have to reevaluate how they deploy capital in a rising interest rate environment. Banks also have to deal with potentially higher losses across their lending portfolio, whether it be consumer loans, credit cards, mortgage rates are higher. And so the allocation of capital just becomes a more of a challenge. And I think banks are more judicious in this market. And so if you just say that banks have shrunk their capability underwrite, 
you then look at the private credit market. And I think the challenge on the private credit market side is how does this new deal resonate vis-a-vis relative to my existing portfolio and where that is priced and where that risk sits? And so that's a challenge on that side. And I'd say lastly, the public markets are repricing risk faster than private markets. And that causes the private markets to sit back and sort of manage and watch where public markets wind up so that private credit firms don't misprice risk. I want to draw your attention to the last thing Hobbs just said, that the public markets are repricing risks faster than private markets. There's been a lot of discussion this year about private equity sponsors not marking portfolios down in line with how public markets have fared. According to Hobbs, the quarterly lag in reporting portfolio evaluations and performance that private markets enjoy can actually mean that private markets can sit back and watch how things play out and be better prepared than public markets, which have to react in real time. So how much attention is Hobbs paying to the loan syndication problems that we've seen in some of these bigger deals? And what are the ramifications for, say, the mid-market? I spend a lot of time thinking about where those deals will price and ultimately where investors are willing to own the risk. I'd say the interesting thing in most of the LBOs that have been done recently, there really isn't a credit issue. They're great businesses. They cash flow well. It's just the quantum of debt relative to what I think the market's willing to absorb is just too high. If the supply is too much relative to demand, you have to make that shift. And the only way to do that is price. And at a certain level, it doesn't make sense for the banks to reduce the exposure at price that would result in material write down. So I'm watching that, but on on your question on the middle market, the middle market has experienced a robust, what I call revision of documentation. And a lot of the large sponsor terms have showed up in middle market deals because there's just been, it's been a hyper-competitive market for private credit. And so the challenge on the middle market side is those businesses are smaller And they tend to be more susceptible to supply, interest rate, and those type of concerns. And so you just need to be careful on the middle market side that you don't overextend leverage on those businesses because they're more sensitive to changes in the market environments, more so than the larger companies that are being financed in the public markets. In some ways, middle market deals may be less exposed than big deals, says Michelle Handy managing director and the head of portfolio and underwriting on First Eagle Alternative Credit's direct lending platform. So the middle market tends to be somewhat insulated from the volatility of the broader market. And secondly, a bit insulated from some of these interest rate increases that we're all experiencing because of the actual structure of the underlying transaction. So what I would say is for middle market transactions, you're talking about less than you know, call it maybe four and a half terms of leverage. You're talking about LTVs that are less than 50%, transactions that get structured with six charge coverages that are north of one and a half. And so the structure itself lends to cushion in general for the overall transaction as interest rates increase. So the middle market isn't immune to the overall economy and what's going on with interest rates. It's just the transaction structures themselves lend to a little bit of a lag than maybe other areas in the market. As the end of the year approaches, there are signs that buyers and sellers are coming closer together. Here's Peg Jackson, Managing Director of Software, Internet, and Digital Media at investment bank Stiefel, 
there is plenty of debt out there available. There's a lot of debt funds that have lots of cash on hand that want to put it to use. But, you know, what happens is that it's more expensive. So if you're going to make the models work, right, from a PE perspective, going out to do a new deal or to add on an acquisition to one of your current portfolio companies, you have to get the price down a bit, right? You know, or the math doesn't work, right? And so I would say coming into this year, people knew it wasn't necessarily going to get to be a more frothy market. They thought it'd be a little more stable than what you're seeing with interest rates right now. And, you know, some of those deals that came out probably won't happen because people aren't going to adjust on price. I do think as you start to see the pipeline develop now for new deals coming out to market going into 23, the companies are more educated on what their multiples are going to be. And I think the PE activity will be driven by that balance of price adjustment given the higher interest rates. So how is this affecting private equity returns? When you look at the PE guys, you know, some of your best returns come from investments that you do in a downturn or, you know, in a tougher interest rate environment because you are very stringent on pricing. You have to get the pricing to make the math work and it keeps you from maybe getting more aggressive with those growthy high price deals that you might be doing in 21, right? So I think in some ways it could have a long-term positive, you know, effect on returns because you are going to be getting potentially good deals that are are priced well. But on the flip side, right, it's going to affect your current portfolio, right? So your current portfolio is going to be reforecasting with all the macro trends, you know, that 23 forecast is probably going to look a bit less maybe than it did what you're planning on six months ago on what your 23 outlook was. So I think that will cause some write downs or portfolio cost adjustments, which is normal in a downturn, right? I think for some of those companies, Companies that might be in year four or five and maybe not the high growth company. And they're sitting there saying, hey, probably makes sense to sell, even though it's not the best environment, it's time to try and get some returns. And so that might affect how high a return you're getting on that portfolio company versus a year ago, because comps are down and there's fewer strategics in the market and et cetera. So, yeah, I think there'll be a blend. I think for new deals getting done, it could prove to be strong on returns going forward. But for your current deals, I think you have to pick carefully when's the right time to go out. While there may be major challenges arising from rising rates, Vestar's Norm Alpert has little doubt that the private equity model will continue to hold up, despite whatever hesitations there may be. Well, I think that history proves that that's been the case. If you look at it over a long period of time, my career spanned, sadly, almost you know over 40 years now. So I've lived through, and my partners of similar vintage have lived through, and my colleagues in the industry of similar vintage have lived through multiple cycles. And I think if we've learned one thing, because in the early days, the impact of a severe recession or rising interest rates or financial market dislocation there have been so many predictions that, oh, the private equity folks are going to be damaged, their game will be exposed, or the emperor has no clothes, or something like that. It's just not the case. When looked at it holistically as the industry, there certainly have been failures of one sort or another, some of them quite spectacular, but viewed in the sense of the whole marketplace, they haven't been material. And the industry has continued to grow. It's grown because limited partners and institutional investors have clearly seen the benefits of excellent returns and have also been comfortable with the idea of, you know, not overvaluing liquidity, which is one of the things that's offered by the public markets. But as interest rates rise, 
can private equity continue to deliver the same sort of market outperforming returns that it has in the past? I mean, you have to look at it over a long period of time. The idea of looking at it over one quarter or one year, or for that matter, three years, isn't really the right way to view it. You really have to look at it over five, 10, 15, and 20-year periods. And I think when looked that way, it's consistently outperformed. And I think it will continue to consistently outperform because the thing that's different about private equity is the ability to really influence the business and make a difference, drive change, actively help management, actively manage management who is actively managing the business, and also using incentive systems that I think cause managements to respond in such a way that you can get that kind of result. Of course, as the industry has gotten larger and larger and larger, and it is a vast global private capital market in all respects, like any industry that was small and now has gotten big, it's much, much more competitive. It's harder to produce the best results. So when you look at the industry as the median of the industry versus the first or second quartile performers, there's a pretty significant difference. You know, manager selection, I should say, continues to be an important element of that. But I do think that the median will continue to trend very favorably to the public markets when viewed over a long period of time. So far, the private equity model has held up very well over many economic cycles, and PE folks insist that success will continue, even if debt becomes more expensive, and even if there's a recession. Of course, only the returns will tell. Thanks, Mary Kathleen. That's all for this installment. On our next episode, we'll look at how the end of cheap money is affecting LPs and their portfolio allocations. If you like what you've heard today, please be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or listen at any of PEI Group's various titles online, such as PE Hub. And while you're at it, leave us a rating and review. I'm Adam Lay. Thanks for listening.